I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. Performance Reviews the annual ritual that brings a mix of anticipation and anxiety to employees and managers worldwide. Now, we've all been there. The annual dance of feedback, the good, the bad, and the sometimes downright awkward. In this episode, we're not just scratching the surface, we're diving deep into the do's and don'ts of performance reviews. From the manager's playbook to the employee's side of the conversation, we are uncovering the secrets to a constructive and growth-oriented review process. Managers, you'll learn the art of delivering feedback that inspires rather than demoralizes. Employees, we've got your back too. You'll learn how to navigate reviews with grace and leverage them for personal and professional development. Now, let's get started. Some organizations do performance evaluations annually. In fact, most do. Some don't. And some companies stopped doing it during the pandemic and they're bringing it back now. For most people, it is a given that there will be some sort of annual performance review, often tied to goals that have been set a year in advance and often tied to salary increases as well. So since your paycheck or your employee's paychecks, if you're a manager, Since the paycheck is riding on it, let's take it seriously and see how we can get the most out of it. Now, before we get into the very practical do's and don'ts on both sides of the conversation, let's look at why it matters that you give and get useful performance reviews with a balance of feedback. First, from the manager's side. A recent study by Textio that surveyed over 13,000 employees showed that nearly 20% of employees who were looking for new jobs outside of their current employer said that, quote, insufficient feedback was the primary reason why they were looking to move on. The primary reason. Now, you can't always give a raise or provide a flexible work environment, but you can always give more feedback, you can always give higher quality feedback, that is totally within your control. The other thing that's in your control is to give feedback that's actionable rather than vague. In the same study, people who received low quality feedback that wasn't clear about exactly what needed to be done differently, well, those folks were 63% more likely to leave the organization than those who got clear, actionable feedback. And this held true across high performers, mid-level performers, and low performers. And they studied multiple years worth of data so they could actually see who left. And plus, in today's environment, you might not get approval to backfill someone's role when they leave. And even if you do, it might be hard to find a replacement. And either of those cases means more work for the rest of the team when someone quits. So it behooves you to give effective performance reviews. 
Think of it as a retention tool. Now, for the employee getting the feedback, please remember that no one is perfect. This conversation and the documentation that goes with it is a growth opportunity. So be open to constructive feedback. Anticipate that there will be some new information about your performance that will be shared in that conversation. And some of it might be difficult to hear. (laughs) We all like to think that we're perfect, of course, and we are all far from perfect. So you'll get some tips on managing your defenses both beforehand and during the meeting. And there's always good old-fashioned deep breathing that's going to help you stay present, stay in the moment, get oxygen to the executive function part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, the part that needs it the most. So you're going to get some tips as well today in the do's and the don'ts. Okay, let's start with the manager's do's and don'ts. I've got three do's and three don'ts for you. Managers, do tell the truth. Don't let poor performance or bad attitudes slide. You see, here's the thing. Everyone else on the team knows that your underperformer is an underperformer. And if you're not addressing it head on and giving that person the coaching they need to get back up to performance level, not only does it look bad on the part of the underperforming employee, it also looks bad on your part because you are in fact underperforming if you are not telling the truth. So don't take a passive aggressive approach. Don't talk around the issues. Address the issues head on and to the best of your ability, use data to support that feedback. This shouldn't be a mystery story. There should be concrete data that supports what you're sharing with the employee. Now, if it's an attitude, you need to connect that attitude to workplace outcomes. You need to show that that employee's attitude is having an impact on the culture, and that might be on their own work performance or their own work product. It could also be on the team as a whole or even a larger unit than the team. Sometimes the people with the bad attitudes are really infectious and are impacting a much, much larger group of people. So again, do Tell the truth. That's your first do. Second, do acknowledge the discomfort. There may be a variety of reasons why this could be an uncomfortable conversation. Now, if this is your first time evaluating a former peer who used to be your coworker and now is a direct report, that would be a great example of something that is worthy of acknowledging because that's going to be uncomfortable. Now, if you've been managing people for years and years and years, then that's not necessarily the case, but there might be something else that would get in the space that could be awkward. So if there is some awkward or uncomfortable scenario around this particular performance evaluation, then by all means, address it, put it on the table. The other person probably feels that this is awkward or uncomfortable, and you feel that this is awkward and uncomfortable. So just get it out there and put it on the table. Third do, do check for biases. In a recent survey of 1,000 full-time employees conducted by Cindio, a workplace equity analytics firm, 25% of respondents felt that their performance reviews were negatively impacted by their manager's personal biases. The biases were most felt by employees of Asian descent and LGBTQ plus employees. So managers, 
you do need to check yourself for biases. And if you don't think you have biases, then I am definitely talking to you. We human beings all have biases. We have them to greater and lesser degrees than our counterparts, but we need to keep ourselves in check of our biases. Our biases can predispose us to thinking more highly of one category of people and less highly of other categories of people. And sometimes it takes a very individual slant as well. And these categories don't just fall along racial, ethnic, and gender lines. It can also be where you work. That's known as proximity bias. So if you work in the office more days than not, and another employee that you supervise is also in the office on those same days, you may have proximity bias because you see them more frequently. Now, if you work from home and you're excellent on Teams or Zoom or whatever platform you use, and some of your employees who also work from home a lot and you rarely see in person are also excellent on Teams or Zoom or whatever platform you're on, you might have proximity bias for them in the ether and you might be evaluating them more favorably than the ones who struggle a bit with the technology. Now there's also something known as affinity bias. And affinity bias is when we give favorable treatment to those that we like more than others or we give disfavorable treatment to those that we don't like more than others. Now, I've talked about this in the podcast in the past, but if you're not familiar with affinity bias, I have an affinity bias test for you to take, managers, and it's very simple. On a scale of one to five, where five is you would be friends with this person outside of work, and one is you would hide in a department store or the grocery store if you saw this person coming. You would duck into a different aisle. Rank your employees on that scale of one to five, and then you have to keep yourself in check on the fives because these are people that you have affinity towards and you might be inadvertently giving them a higher performance review. Or just in regular workplace treatment, you might be giving them more favorable treatment. And then you also have to check yourself on the ones, and I also say the twos as well. Here in Minnesota, we have something called Minnesota Nice, where somebody would be like, oh, I would never give somebody a one. That sounds mean. I'll give them a two. Now, it's not just Minnesota, but there's plenty of other places where you might feel mm, that it would be, I mean, nobody's going to, first of all, nobody's going to see this, Uh affinity bias test. You're just going to write it on a scrap of paper and you're going to throw it away or burn it or tear it up or put it through the shredder when you're done. But you do need to check yourself on the ones and for many of us, the twos as well, because we just don't like them as much. And there was nothing wrong with not liking somebody or liking somebody a lot. There's nothing wrong with it at all, but it can absolutely impact the review process because you might be giving somebody more favorable review or less favorable review based on how much you like them. Okay, so this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many different things we can have biases on. Our brains are just simply biased. So we have to look for the biases. It has lasting implications on earning power because when you think about it, if somebody gets even a fraction of a percent more of a raise, then their base salary the next year when they're going to get another percentage-based raise or salary increase is based on that. So it has long lasting implications for earning power and somebody's salary could be impacted for a lifetime based on a bias that you might have in a performance review. So even 1% or a fraction of a percent salary increase is going to be compounded for years ahead. So do 
check yourself for your biases managers. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. All right, I have some don'ts for you as well. Don't use the phrase, I think. There should be observable data about the employee's performance. If you're starting a sentence with, I think, that is based in opinion, or at least you're couching it in an opinion or using hedging language. It is not about your opinions, at least it shouldn't be. It should be about observable data. You want to be clear and direct. So let's avoid hedging language and specifically, I think. Let's get that out of the conversation. Don't, here's your second don't, don't use the sandwich method. If you've ever heard of the sandwich method, or sometimes it's called the roller coaster, start on a high note, then share the negative information, and then end on a high note. (laughs) That is a terrible way to give feedback. Now, the performance evaluation conversation should be balanced. There should be some opportunities for improvement, and there should be some notes about what's going well. Now, here's how a sandwich conversation would go, and this is what you should not do. A sandwich conversation might sound like this. Let's say you supervise a sales team and your salesperson, Tim, uh, has overspent on his expense report recently. And uh, so you come in to have that conversation with Tim about that. And really, most of the time when you use the sandwich method, it's that thing in the middle that is the most important thing. But here's how the sandwich conversation might go. And again, I do not recommend that you do this. You might say to Tim, hey, Tim, this last year has been an amazing record-setting banner year for you. You closed several really big deals that had an overall impact on the whole company's bottom line, and we are so grateful for that. Now, we also noticed that you did overspend by 26% on your expense reports in closing those deals, and we do need to keep those expenses down. I'm taking some heat from the senior leadership about expense reports. So we need to make sure we're dialing that in. And, you know, I also looked at your upcoming pipeline for the coming year, and it looks great. There are some awesome leads in there, and I can't wait to see how you go about closing those leads and bringing in some more of those great big deals. Good talking with you, Tim. Good talk. All right. So from Tim's perspective, he's going to leave that conversation going, well, I'm not really sure what that whole thing was about. Um, the, and, and he might not even, it might not even land for him that that negative information about overspending on his expense reports, that that was even the point of the conversation or that that is even something worth paying attention to that negative feedback gets lost in the middle. So don't use the sandwich method. Do of course, provide 
some actionable, constructive feedback, as well as some positive feedback. Now, people always ask me, should I put the positive feedback first or should I put the negative feedback first? I don't really think it matters as long as you're clear that there is going to be some of each. Now, I also recommend that you do some level setting prior to the conversation so that the employee knows that when they sit down to do their performance evaluation with you, there's going to be some positive feedback and some constructive feedback and opportunities for improvement shared. Now, you might ask the employee which one they'd like to hear first. They might have a um, an interest in hearing the bad news first or the good news first. So you could ask them. Um, but as long as you have level set that there will be some of each and that you wouldn't be doing your job if there wasn't some of each, then I don't think it really matters. But just make sure you're providing both and not using the sandwich method. So don't use the sandwich method. And the third don't is don't let this be the only time you discuss their performance until next year at the same time. Give continuous feedback throughout the year so that there are no surprises at the annual event. And also quick hit feedback, both positive and constructive feedback, has been shown to be the best for employee performance. Quickly correcting the things that need correcting and praising the things that they're doing well or the things that you want repeated That is what's best for employee morale and employee performance. It's also best for the organization's operations as well. It gets things back on track more quickly when something is amiss, and that is good for the bottom line. So don't let the annual performance conversation be the only time you are discussing performance. All right, so those were my three do's and three don'ts for managers. Now, employees, it's your turn. And of course, managers, you are employees as well because you will be on the other side of the desk for your own performance evaluation. And I've got three do's and three don'ts for you from the employee side. Do some reflection before the meeting. Review the goals that were set, oftentimes way back last year at the same time of the year. And look for observable data to assess how you think you did. Conduct a thoughtful self-assessment and acknowledge areas where you excelled and pinpoint those areas that require some improvement. And this awareness is going to be invaluable once you get into that conversation with your manager because you will have some content to bring to the conversation as well. And be realistic with yourself and try not to make excuses for yourself if you didn't hit various benchmarks or milestones or goals. If you were objectively looking at the data and it weren't your own performance data, how would you rate the other person's performance? Do that level of reflection. So do reflect before that meeting. Do anticipate some constructive feedback. It is your boss's job to share with you some ideas on how to get better at what you do, even if you are a stellar performer. You still want to improve, don't you? I know I do. I always want to get better at what I'm doing. Sometimes that means taking in some difficult information. So if you go into the session expecting there to be some constructive feedback, it will be far easier for you to take it in and less likely that you'll get defensive about it. So do anticipate some constructive feedback. And finally, do manage your emotions. Practice deep breathing, 
have an anchor point. An anchor point is something, some object or body part that you always have with you that you can grab onto in times of stress and in times uh, when you hear those surprises. Um, If you wear your emotions on your sleeve, well, first of all, your boss probably already knows that. So it's okay to acknowledge it in the meeting if something happens, if you tear up, if you tend to be a person who cries easily, be ready for it so that you can be as professional as possible about it. You might say something like, oh, there goes my leaky eye again, or oops, my emotions are showing. I forgot to tuck them in this morning. You know, if you can address it, it's going to make your um, boss your manager that much less uncomfortable if something like that does happen. But again, do manage your emotions. And remember, if you can remember that there's going to be some good news and there's going to be some areas for improvement, it's going to be so much easier for you to accept that and not have a a complete freak out. All right, so those are your do's. I have a few don'ts for you as well. Don't expect fives on a scale of one to five. A lot of organizations use that one through five where one is needs a lot of improvement and five is exceptional. Most managers are instructed by their human resources team to give the fives in exceedingly rare conditions, to use them very sparingly, only using them for huge accomplishments. For the person who is ready for the jump to the next level or the big promotion. So don't expect that you're gonna get fives. And if you happen to get a five or two, then really relish it, but don't expect it. Second don't, don't compare yourself to others. This is about you and your performance. It's okay to take a pass if a coworker asks you what scores you got or how it went or what kind of a percentage raise you got. You might just say something like, oh, I'm still taking it in and making sense of it. Or you could be strategically vague and say something like, you know, some hits and some misses, pretty balanced overall. You don't have to get into the details with them. Or you can even just simply say, I prefer not to share that information. I'm keeping it to myself this year. Third, don't. Don't shut down if you hear something that you don't like or something that surprised you. It's okay to acknowledge your surprise by saying something like, wow, I had no idea. Can we talk more about this in a few days after I've let it sink in? I don't want you to get caught in fight, flight, or freeze. Your sympathetic nervous system, when it gets activated like that, that is a real physical experience. And if you go into the conversation expecting it to be a dialogue with some give and some take and maybe even some surprises, you'll be less likely to shut down or get defensive and have your sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, or freeze response, get the best of you. All right, so those are your do's and don'ts for being on that side of the performance evaluation conversation. Okay, my friends, there is your playbook for handling performance review season. Three do's and three don'ts for each side of the conversation. A quick recap, managers, do tell the truth. Do acknowledge any awkwardness and do check yourself for your biases. At the same time, don't use the phrase, I think. Don't use the sandwich method and don't, for goodness sakes, don't let this be the only time all year that you discuss performance with your staff. And on the employee side, do some preparation before the meeting. Do anticipate constructive feedback and do manage your emotions. And for the don'ts, don't expect a bunch of fives. Don't compare yourself to others. And don't shut down when you hear something that surprises you.
Good luck to all of you in having the performance evaluation conversation this year. And if your organization's review cycle doesn't happen until later in the year, make sure you bookmark this episode so that you can easily find it when you need it most. Remember, the future of work is not only about technology, it's about the values we uphold, the communities we build, and the sustainable growth that we strive for. We need to keep exploring, keep innovating, and keep envisioning the remarkable possibilities that lie ahead. As always, stay curious, stay informed, and stay ahead of the curve. Tune in next week for another insightful exploration of the trends shaping our professional world. Until then, my friends, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.